Amen. The healing's nice, isn't it? But having the healer is far greater. This morning, I want us to just take a few moments and talk about acquiring peace in an anxious world. I believe today is one of the days, probably more than ever, that we live in, that we live in an anxious world. Anxious world, we're experiencing worry. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you have worry in your life or maybe unease or nervousness? Typically, when we experience this anxious world, it's about imminent events or Something with an uncertain outcome. And I believe all you've got to do on a a nation level is turn on the TV. And maybe you've seen this past week on the CBS News about the fires in Maui. People jumping into the water trying to save their lives. According to a report I looked at from CBS News that this fire... Oh, Maui, as of now, has damaged or destroyed some 2,207 structures. Some whole communities wiped out, homes gone. I believe that would make you anxious. About 2,170 acres burned to the ground. And at last count, I heard over 80 dead. But you know, that's an anxious world that we live in. But what I want us to look at is us today. Because I believe we live in an anxious world. News, even in connected to our own community of an unexpected and sudden death. Maybe those that have gotten here lately the words of cancer back again. When we look at this anxious world that we live in, we are living in a world and in our own lives, a world that is being turned upside down. Anxious in our own community for the lack of rain. Farmers probably more, those with cattle that need hay and there's no hay available. The word comes out from the little different ways that we receive messages that the water supply is low. Please don't waste water, don't water your yards and all of these things that go on and that causes anxiousness within us, at least it does me. And I'm sure it does you. Maybe what are you going through today that causes an anxiousness in you? What I want us to understand when we leave today is that there is a way, church, of acquiring peace, obtaining peace, finding peace within this anxious world. And I believe that the Bible gives us a very good picture of this story i love how god takes situations in people's lives some two thousand years ago and he speaks to those very things knowing that what we get the privilege today of holding in our hand as a word of god is alive and it's active it is truth 
and it is still relevant today. And what I want us to do is to look at the story of some gentlemen today who were having a meal with the person who has all the peace that there ever was. You're familiar with what they call maybe the upper room discourse. This would have been the time that Jesus had gathered his disciples together. They had gotten a room. They'd gone up, prepared what was known as the Passover meal. Jesus was getting ready in just a few hours to be taken and beaten and crucified. And he had some last words for his intimate followers, his disciples there. And he was sharing with them about what was about to happen. And for these gentlemen that have given up their entire lives, they've left the careers that they had, they've left their families behind to go and follow this great teacher as they thought. And they just followed him. And in just a short three years, he begins telling them, I'm fixing to leave. That would turn their world upside down. That would cause anxiousness for them. Take your Bibles this morning with me and turn to the gospel according to John chapter 16 and verse 23. Jesus has been going through this conversation, or we call it this discourse, this dialogue with his followers. And at the very end, he begins to come to this. John chapter 16, verse 23. If you've turned there, would you please stand with me as we go to God's word. John chapter 16, verse 23. Jesus is the one doing the speaking, and he says, In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, And have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, Lo, no, you are speaking plainly and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. But this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and already came for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Father God, how precious your word is. Lord, today I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the privilege, Lord, that you've called me and you've sent me to proclaim your message. And Father, I stand before you today and say that I'm a vessel to be used by you. Would you speak through me this morning? And Father, for your people here today and those that are listening, Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes. Father, as your word says, that we can behold wonderful things from your law. Father, that you would open our ears to hear from Holy Spirit and our hearts softened to the communication from the Holy Spirit. Lord God, speak to us now. We, your people, are listening. And Father, we need peace because we are living in anxious times. And Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious and most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I think one thing that brings us peace It doesn't always help to hear it when we're in the middle of a situation. But we have peace knowing that God is sovereign, which means God is over and he is in control of everything. Nothing catches him by surprise and everything must pass through him. Now let me clarify that before we get started this morning is God doesn't necessarily cause everything to happen to you, but it has gone through his hands. But what I want us to understand is that for these gentlemen that Jesus was just speaking to, his followers, their world had been turned upside down and what they feared he was saying was about to happen. But let me tell you this, that what they feared the worst is actually what made them stronger. Don't you hear that? What they feared worse is actually what made them stronger. While we do live in an anxious world today, we can go through this anxious world knowing that we're in the hands of the Father and that what he allows us to go through as believers is there to make us stronger. We've been talking about hope on Wednesday night and talking about going through hope and having hope through being persecuted. But this hope comes when you're being persecuted for righteousness and not because of something that you've done that you deserve. But I want us to look at this, that what they feared the worth, the death of Jesus Christ, that is what they feared. He was telling them that this was going to happen. But you know what made them stronger was the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ and he had not died. He could not have become resurrected. The first thing I want us to look at this morning. In this acquiring peace. In an anxious world is. Acquiring complete joy. Acquiring complete joy. Or maybe full joy, understanding that this acquiring, he he tells us there in that verse 24, he says that your joy may be made full. What is that being made full? But it may be brought to completion. We have joy in life. We have joy in our salvation. 
But in this anxious world, Jesus Christ is the one who brings that joy and he completes it. That joy of experiencing gladness. We're not talking about happiness here, church. Why? Because happiness comes and happiness goes. Some people say, say, I've never found the happiness the first time for it to go. But happiness can come and happiness can go. We can be happy and celebrate at a wedding. We can be happy and celebrate at a a graduation. We can be happy at all of these things. But just as soon as we can get happy, we can get sad. But we have joy. And joy that has been made full. And joy that is complete. If you notice there, verse 23 begins with in that day you will not question me what day is he talking about let me tell you this he's not talking about the day of Christ's return okay because when Christ returns we're going to be with him we're not going to be in an anxious world anymore amen praise the lord What day is he talking about in that day? He could be referring to either the day of his resurrection or the day that he sends the Holy Spirit. Either one being the same. But guess what church? We're in that day. Jesus Christ is resurrected from the grave. Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven and sent the Father. And he says, you will not question me about anything. And he uses those words, truly, truly, which means things are fixing to change for the disciples. They can have this complete joy. He said, he tells them there very quickly in verse 24, until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Well, they need joy. They need peace. They need comfort. They've been with the Messiah, but now he's getting ready to go. But he said, basically, you don't have because you hadn't asked. And church, I want to ask you a question this morning. That when the, we are in the anxious world, when you're in an anxious time, have you stopped and asked the Father about what you're going through? How many times, and me included, is that sometimes the last thing we do? When everything else is tried, everything else has failed, and we're on the bottom, then our knuckleheaded selves decide to look up and ask the father for peace he is the father of peace but we can have it and in jesus it is made full and complete i want to share with you a couple of verses over from romans chapter 8 and verse 28 through 30 you're going to recognize this And I want to tell you, you will often hear part of this verse without the rest of the verse. Let's look at Romans 8, beginning in verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together. How many times have you seen that on a plaque somewhere? Something hanging up in a a Christian store or in a secular world, in people's homes. God causes all things to work together. Well, in my Bible, there's not a comma or a period there. It keeps going. And to understand that, because so many people in their life say, well, God doesn't do what he says. He doesn't make all things work together. Well, what does it say? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. What? To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. For those who are believers. If you're not a believer, scratch that promise out. It's not for you. But if you are a believer, God says that he's going to make all things work out. But then he goes into very specific detail. Because he says it's those who are called according to his purpose. And for those he foreknew, he also predestined. Not a sermon on predestination this morning. But what does he say they were predestined to? He says they were predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Believers are predestined to become conformed to the image of a son. That is our, you could say, part of our mission in life as a believer is to become like God. God uses difficult situations in life to mold us and to make us who we are. You can take a situation. And Miss Mary, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to use you this morning. I usually talk to people for, Miss Mary has been through a lot in her life. Buried her husband her children. Horrible. Don't see parents have to bury a child, much less more than one. But God has taken that in their life and made her a stronger person. If Miss Ruby was here, she could testify to things that Miss Ruby goes through that Miss Mary is able to step in and help her with. She's able to step in and be a rock for Miss Susan. While we go through things that this life says are bad and things that hurt us, they can be used for God's good purpose to conform us into who he wants us to be. And what is this being conformed in the image of his son? But he said he also predestined him who he called to be justified. We're justified through life and one day we're predestined to be glorified. Amen. We can acquire complete joy through Jesus Christ himself. He is the fulfillment of that which he's already begun. As a believer, he brings joy and he will fulfill that joy and complete it. In church, one day we will have the ultimate completion. And that is through Jesus Christ not only can we acquire complete joy, but we're able to acquire direct access. How is it in this world that is so anxious, how is it that we can acquire peace? You want peace, we can acquire it because we can acquire direct access. Boy, Jesus is wonderful in these pictures that he uses as his illustrations. Back over in verse 26, it says, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. Now, I read that and I paused. I'm going to be honest with you. I read it again when it said, And I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. At first, I thought, well, maybe that was a misprint. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. I read it a couple of times. So I go into a software that I have, and I pulled up about five different translations. And they all said that Jesus said that in that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. What is Jesus saying? Isn't he the one that intercedes for us? He just told them before in prayer to to ask. But why is he saying that I didn't say that I tell you I will request? Because when Jesus died on the cross and he rose out of the grave and ascended to heaven and when we call on him in faith and we become believers in Jesus Christ, I no longer need Jesus to ask the Father for me. He's saying you will have direct access in that day. When we pray, church, we go directly to God. Amen? We don't have to go to someone to intercede for us. Now, there are times, and we're going to look at that, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. But we can have hope in an anxious world because in a split second, we can communicate directly to the Father. It's not like those old little TV sitcoms with uh, Lily Tomlin when she's sitting there. You've probably seen them and she's the operator. And she'll take that little thing and plug it in and try to talk to someone across the world. I don't have to wait for an operator to connect me to God. In this anxious world, you can have peace because you can go directly to the Father. You can have direct access to him. And Jesus says, in that day, you will ask in my name. Why is that possible? Look there at verse 27. For the Father himself loves you. In case no one has told you today, church, God loves you. And as believers, he loves you. And you have direct access. It says there that the Father loves you. Why does the Father love you? He's writing to the disciples. Today we'd say he's writing to the believers. Why does God love you? Because you have loved me. You've loved Jesus and have believed that I came forth from the Father. So he's telling them there very quickly, you have direct access because God loves you because you love me and you came to God through me. You believe that I came down. And a big part of the gospel in that next verse 28, it says, I've come from the Father and have come into the world. Jesus Christ was with the Father. Jesus Christ is God. And there was a point, a definite point in time in history that Jesus came down clothed over his glory because we couldn't stand to see him in all of his glory he became the incarnate Christ he put on flesh as a baby and then he said I am leaving the world again one day and going back to the father scripture tells us that Jesus is ascended and that he's there at the right hand the father you remember when Stephen was being stoned and he looked up And he could see Jesus. You see, we have direct access. Jesus came, died, rose again, and went back to the Father. Let me read you this morning a quote from Warren Wiersbe. It says, The purpose of Bible study is not simply to understand profound truths, but to get to know the Father better. 
Verse 25 says in 16, I will show you plainly of the Father. And then he concludes with, if our reading and Bible study falls short of this, it does more harm than good. If you're reading the Bible just strictly to find truths, to find the the way to live life, to take it just as a road map, you're doing yourself more harm. That's where all this legality comes in. We read this because it's a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Yes, we need to read it to find profound truths, but we should be reading it to understand and to get to know the Father better. You want peace in an anxious world? Get to know the Father better because he is peace. And we have the assurance that we have direct access to him. Have you ever been in a situation... I know we've got people in our own midst of church members who get so grieved or so anxious in this world that you can't pray. Have you ever been there? Let me read to you from Romans 8, verse 26. It says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We have direct access, church. How can we have peace? How can you acquire peace in an anxious world when you're so anxious you can't even get the words out? As believers, we have a Holy Spirit that lives within us, the third part of the Trinity, and He is interceding on your behalf. And buddy, there's times that we need that. And then thirdly, acquiring perfect peace. We're looking to acquire peace in an anxious world. Some might find some form of peace, but we are looking for the perfect peace And Jesus tells us about that perfect peace. In verse 32, back in John 16, it says, Behold, an hour is coming, and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Perfect peace. I I believe that oftentimes we are in an anxious world because people are separated We feel anxious when we get separated. Did you ever get separated from your mom and dad as a child? I did. And I become very anxious. And I become very worried. There was times that my parents couldn't get a hold of me. And they became anxious and very worried. But Jesus said there's coming a time, talking to his disciples, that you're going to be scattered. Basically, he's fixing to be crucified and go to heaven. They're going to be scattered out. They're going to return home. They're going to leave him alone. What does Jesus say? I'm not alone because I have the Father with me. We in an anxious world can know that we have the Father with us. Listen, verse 33, Jesus' beautiful words here. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In me. 
Not in anything else, not in money, not in bank accounts, not in retirements, not in stocks and bonds, not in nothing that this world has to offer will you ever find peace. But in Jesus Christ, there is peace. He even said that in the world, you will have tribulation. He's telling them that if you're living for the world, you're going to have tribulation. But guess what? Even if you're a believer, you're living in this world, and we're going to go through tribulation. But if you are in the world, and you are like the world, there is tribulation. I mean, you could look at people who we know most likely, we're not the judge, we know most likely they don't have Christ by their actions, the things they say and they do, and why in the limelight of TV or news, it might look wonderful. But they're going through tribulation, they're going through turmoil. And why is it that if this world has tribulation and turmoil, how is it that in Jesus we can have peace? Well, he finishes there at that last of 32. He says that in the world you will have tribulation, but, don't you love the buts in the Bible? But take courage. Everything changes when you see a but. But take courage. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And church, if we are in Jesus Christ, we have overcome this world. Jesus Christ defeated death. He defeated sin. He came out. He says, I'm ascending. I have overcome it. He said, you can acquire peace in me. So that's what it's all about, is acquiring perfect peace. Isaiah 26, let me just read to you very quickly. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Those who take their mind and steadfast focus Become centered on Christ. He's saying that God will keep you in perfect peace. Why is it, church, that we need to be steadfast? Why do we need to look at Jesus? How many of you have ever been to New Orleans or maybe Dallas, somewhere where they have these? little horse-drawn carriages and you can rent them and ride in it. Have you ever seen that? Maybe you've seen it on TV. There's one thing that's very interesting and unique about these horses. Everyone I have ever seen has these little things on the side of their eyes. They're blinders. Why is that? Well, a horse is an anxious character. And when those blinders are there, they're focused directly in front of them. And they don't see all of this. So why do I tell you be steadfast on God? Because let me tell you, in an anxious world, it's all anxious. But when you're steadfast, when you're steadfast on the Father, you don't see. You're not in the world. You can acquire peace. Through Jesus Christ. In Jesus there is perfect peace it tells us. And in the world there is 
tribulation because our great God has overcome the world. And in him, church, I will vouch, I will testify personally, in him there is peace in this anxious world. There is peace for believers who are steadfast that live on the island of Maui because they're steadfast on Jesus Christ. Their surroundings, they might not be happy and their surroundings might be anxious, but there's peace. There's peace in the believer. Though the world may fall apart around when he says you have cancer, you might not be happy, but there's peace and there can be joy. When you hear the news, or maybe you walk in and you find your loved one dead in Christ, there can be peace even though the world's turned upside down. You hear the news that you've lost a job, whatever it may be that causes your life You've either been there or you will be there one day to be turned upside down in this anxious world. Church, I want you to know that you can acquire peace in Christ. May you bow your heads this morning. Father God, how great you are, Lord.